the Transport Workers Union Local 513 podcast with Second Vice President Brian Parker is online and streaming. Take it away, Brian. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the TWU Local 513 podcast. Joining me again today is Greg Cozy. Hello, Brian. How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you doing today? Doing very well. A little hot, but uh, we're going to make it. Uh, well, uh, I'd say it's a lot hot, but <laughs> hopefully we're going to make it. And uh, I'm sure you've got some words of encouragement for the members to deal with this heat and stuff like that. Oh, absolutely. So before we get into that, let's go ahead and get a station update. We'll start with Austin, Texas. So Austin continues to grow. They literally flipped a switch, went from about 34 mainline flights to over 70. So they have a lot of challenges with the headcount. Management has asked for TDY on a couple of occasions so that they could kind of augment the headcount there. They continue to take transfers, also uh, go through the hiring process. So eventually, hopefully we'll, you know, get staffed up there. We know that our members there are doing an incredible job, but uh, they have a lot of difficulties with the manning. We do know that they've replaced the station manager with uh, a new manager from uh, D.C. Haven't met him yet, but I've talked to him a couple of times over the phone. Told him that he's got some tremendous challenges there that he's got to overcome. But uh, like with all of our membership, he's got a tremendous workforce. Yeah, he definitely has some challenges. I know Brian Oyer and I were down there just on the edge of Jimmy Brooks leaving as a station manager. We were down there for a couple of chief operator hearings a couple of weeks ago, and that operation is booming. They're fighting for space, just even for break rooms and everything else. Yeah, they have some unique challenges just at the airport there alone. We have, quote unquote, ownership of five gates. But in reality, we need three more because of the volume of flights. And so it's always a fight with the other airlines to uh, occupy those other three floating gates. I mean, the tremendous challenges from the fuel tanks that the airport has are not sufficient for the number of flights that all of the airlines have there at the airport. The catering, I was very intrigued to find out that sometimes they have to get their catering from the airport in Houston, and they truck the the catering in from Houston. So just a lot of uh, intrinsic challenges there at the airport to go along with the fact that we don't, from an American Airlines standpoint, don't have enough headcount there. And I know our chairman down there, Lorenzo McQueen, has his finger on the pulse, so he does keep us well informed, and he's doing a good job down there. Yes, he is. Okay, let's go south from Austin to San Antonio, Texas. So San Antonio, same issues. They have headcount issues. Stabilized with management. The manager's been there for many years, but uh, we have a great union leadership down there with uh, Roman Garcia and his uh, shop steward staff. Again, like Lorenzo, he has the finger on the pulse of what's going on there. Like I said, headcount, equipment issues with uh, poor equipment. That seems to be the trend throughout the, the whole system, not just in 513. Okay, thanks for that on San Antonio. Now let's go over to Nashville, Tennessee. Like Austin, there's a leadership change with respect to management in Nashville. In fact, the new station manager starting today haven't had an opportunity to meet her yet. I'll be uh, traveling to Nashville to meet with her. But our station chairman there, Billy Parkhurst, used to be here at DFW with us. He'll be meeting with her either later today or tomorrow just to establish where they are as a station, some of the needs and the challenges that they have there. Again, it's headcount, it's equipment, 
Nashville did receive two tractors last week, so that will help out some. Again, they have the same issues that most of the outstations have as it pertains to lack of equipment, lack of quality equipment, and of course, headcount. Yeah, and the lack of equipment and lack of headcount, that's a common theme really across all stations. Even here at DFW, while we have been hiring, sometimes it seems like we're just keeping up with attrition, but we're really struggling for equipment here at, you know, at the hub as well. Yeah, it's, a, it's an industry trend, unfortunately. After the pandemic, all of the airlines committed sort of a money grab, and they know that passenger demand is very high. So what they've done is they have essentially overbooked, created a, a huge amount of demand, and we don't have the infrastructure in place to meet the demand. We don't have aircrafts. We don't have pilots. You know, as far as the fleet and the GSE facilities world is concerned, we don't have enough people to do the work. And again, like you said, the, the equipment is an issue across the system. So the airlines, they were trying to make up for what was lost during the pandemic. And the American passengers are somewhat suffering. Yeah, and staying on the downline, uh, and you mentioned GSC and facilities, the work that's outsourced. I mean, you know, we're dealing with vendors in those stations, a lot of those stations, and it's just subpar work. Yeah, absolutely. I know in, in both Nashville and Austin, there's a portion of the work that's, that's being uh, contracted out. And, um, you know, the contractors can never do the work that our guys can do. You know, I'm a huge advocate for insourcing. I believe that if there's a piece of equipment that has AA on it, it ought to be serviced by an American Airlines employee and more specifically a TWU member. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Okay, so we touched on the three downline stations, the TWU-represented stations, Austin, San Antonio, and Nashville. Let's talk about our other stations that are actually IM-represented stations, but we have TWU members there, and we'll start with Raleigh-Durham. Raleigh-Durham sounds like a broken record, but uh, again, they have headcount challenges. They have equipment issues. It is a, an IEM-represented station, even though we are in the association, but we try to stay close to the members there. We try to stay close to what's going on there. Again, they have the issues of somewhat of a bullheaded or a strong-willed manager there who is used to the IEM way of doing things, and so you know that presents a, a set of challenges within itself. But we're still trying to make some strides and some inroads there in Raleigh. And as far as representation, we have put some people in place. We've added a chair and a couple of stewards. Yes. These members, they pay dues to the TWU, specifically to our local. And we want to provide as, as good as representation as we possibly can. And so what we've decided as a board is to add outstation chairmen in those locations, in Raleigh, in Houston, and New Orleans. And so we also have uh, union representatives there. Some of the stations, we're trying to, to create EAP representatives if needed. But we want to be able to fully service and represent our members regardless of the location. So Absolutely. Okay, let's talk about New Orleans. Common refrain again. They're going through a leadership change from a management perspective. New Orleans is a station that, I mean, we talk about lack of headcount and lack of equipment, but that is a station that, I mean, is literally almost dying on the vine. They, they are going way above and beyond in order to try to get those flights in and out, and uh, they have very little resources there. Uh, the latest thing has been a challenge with getting uh, hydration to our members. We actually uh, even had to buy bottled water in order for our folks to, uh, to, to be hydrated there. 
We continue to try to press the company, to press management, to uh, do the things that are contractual and quite honestly, that are humane. You know, the heat being what it is, the humidity, anybody who's been to New Orleans in the summer knows how oppressive that weather can be. And anybody who's ever worked on a ramp knows that with all that concrete and, and everything else, there is no, there is no shade. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's a challenge where we, you know, we, we have to continue to press management in order to do the right thing. And so, quite honestly, we're looking forward to the leadership change there in, in New Orleans. And also, the chairman that we've added there, Edward Chapman, he was here at DFW for a long time as well with us. Good guy. He is very well respected down there. We have a small number of TW members, but to your point, they deserve the best representation whether if they're in a large hub or a small station, everyone deserves representation. So, And they are receiving it from Chapman and his crew. Absolutely, they are. Okay, now let's move down to the last uh, IAM-represented station that we have TW members at, Houston IEH. So we've installed Chuck Hedrick as the, the station chairman there. I also have a couple of union reps there. They're doing a tremendous job. Again, it is an IAM-represented station, but we have our, our TWU, five, Local 513 members there, so we want to give them the representation that they uh, richly deserve. Again, equipment, headcount, a lot of challenges at those outstations. And I'll follow it up by saying this, uh, whether if it's at DFW to where Local 513 works th with the IAM representatives here in our downline stations, uh, be it a TWU station with the IAM members or an IAM station with TWU members, our chairmen are working collectively with the association to make sure that all members are represented. But at the TWU, we're going to make sure that that happens. Yeah, this is not to disparage anyone on, on the other side of the association. We have a responsibility to provide the best representation possible. And it's not just for the TWU members in those stations. We represent IM represented members as well. We just want to be able to provide the best representation possible. And so we think that working in concert with the IM representatives in those stations is the best method. We do have relationships with the AGCs, with IM, and uh, we, you know, we try to work as best we can with them. It's all in an effort to provide complete and good representation to the association members. I agree. Okay, let's move up to DFW, and uh, we'll start off DFW talking about Allied Aviation and also Menzies. I think we talked about it in an earlier podcast this year where the Allied uh, contract, uh, just for the context, the uh, Allied members are the employees who fuel the airplanes for American Airlines and, and for Envoy. Allied lost the contract, I think, in February to Menzies Aviation for the maintenance of the fuel farm. We were able to unionize the workers at Menzies as well. They fall under our local. And so we've had to establish uh, relationships with Menzies leadership. A little bit different than Allied's leadership, although I will say that in, in recent months, the relationships that we have with both, both groups have gotten better. We're still in contract negotiations with Allied. There's still some issues that we have with Allied management and ownership. The ownership at Allied, they are playing a very strong role in uh, what goes on here at DFW. And uh, quite honestly, and I've said it on these podcasts, and I'll also say it during our membership meetings, that we've had a very contentious relationship with the owners at Allied. That contention still exists, 
But I will say that from a from a local standpoint, we have been able to establish better relationships. What we've done is we've created leadership meetings that we try to do at least biweekly. They have been valuable. We have been able to get some things accomplished on a local front that we haven't been able to do before. I think there's, again, there's value in those meetings. And hopefully at some point we can get the relationships that we have with owners to be a little bit better so that we can, we can get to a contractual agreement for our members. I mean, ultimately, that's what we need. We, we try to collectively bargain with Allied, and it's hard to bargain and have a relationship with those folks who don't want to have a relationship. Uh, there's no, no such thing as one-sided negotiations. We will continue to do what we have to do in order to force them to the negotiations table, and that's even up to and including, you know, going to mediation. We'll continue to do what we have to do. Okay, so I mentioned we're coming up to DFW. Let's go ahead and talk about DWH and uh, our Title II members over at DWH. Uh, DWH is, uh, and again, with the whole facility maintenance and then our GSE guys as well, we will continue to push for additional headcount. A lot of obstacles as it pertains to that. We've been working through some agreements as far as the MSPs are concerned and everything else. but. Towards the back end of it all is the fact that the body of work and the scope of work has not changed, regardless of whether we were in the old contract or in the new joint, you know, CBA, body of work hasn't changed as far as we're concerned uh, from a local standpoint. So we will continue to advocate for more headcount. We will also ask for an expanded scope of work at the airport and at DWH. You made my point. That's going to carry over past DWH, pushing for headcount, trying to maintain the work that that our guys do, less outsourcing and everything else. I know we're really struggling with that. I know you're on top of it. Yes, we've had leadership meetings with the facility maintenance group, the Title II group. Again, it's a slippery slope. Management is trying to save money any way that they can, but it shouldn't be on the backs of our members. They should tighten their belts. They should take less bonuses. They should reduce their, you know, their salaries or whatever. But uh, it shouldn't be on the backs of our members, not at all. Yeah, and in their effort to save money, they're probably costing themselves a whole hell of a lot more money going with the vendors and, and having to clean up the mess. Absolutely. What we're finding is that they, they will third-party some work, and when they're done, our guys are having to go back and correct the work that these vendors are doing. It's a simple solution. Our guys should be doing the work from the beginning. Don't second and third party this work out. Don't vendor it out. Let the guys who can do the work the best way possible, effectively, efficiently, and with quality. Now, that's what our members do. That's what we, our facility maintenance and GSE guys are known for. Local 513 is known for having the best facility maintenance and GSE workers in the system. They're double paying for work. American is double paying. So speaking of outsourcing, talk about the cargo building, lead off with Title II there, and then on over into fleet service and the work they're doing at the cargo building. So a prime example of that is the air condition system. They get towards the end of April or beginning of May, started having trouble with the air conditioning in the building over in cargo. Well, for many, many, many years, our facility maintenance guys were maintaining those systems. Well, at the beginning of the year, they've decided to outsource the maintenance of the cargo facility. And as a result, and I, and I really say that as a result, the system broke, 
and it's been broken for several weeks, actually going up into into the months now. And so in my opinion, in the opinion of this local, had they never outsourced that work, our guys would have been able to maintain the system and the air conditioning would be working in the cargo facility. We've had our members to even have to file OSHA complaints as a result. To me, it's a direct reflection of the fact that when you outsource work, this is what you get. Speaking of a direct reflection, if you drive past the cargo building, you will see the mountainous amount of hoses hanging off from the roof to the ground, and it looks horrible. Yeah, well, they've gotten these portable air conditioning units to try to pump the air into the building, into the offices. And again, I mean, it, it makes absolutely no sense to me that this system would be broken for as long as it's been broken. I agree. So let's talk about the agents in cargo and the work they're doing. So they're doing great work over there. Towards the beginning of the year, we were handling a little bit over a million pounds of mail and freight on a daily basis. For whatever reasons, those numbers have decreased a little bit. We're still between the 700 or 800,000 pound a day range, but the delays are down. The work they're doing is phenomenal. The challenges are still there, but uh, the guys in cargo are doing great work. Yeah, and if you look back just a short period of time ago, and it seems like it's been quite a while ago, you know, we were knee-deep in COVID, and cargo carried us. Yeah, they carried the company. The fact that we had the freighters going, that's what really sustained us through COVID. And so they've scaled the freighters back, obviously. They've scaled some of the wide bodies back simply because of the lack of availability. So that I think that's really what's impacted the, uh, the cargo numbers. But cargo, in, in no uncertain terms, was quite obviously the reason why we were able to sustain ourselves through COVID. So what's going on on the wrap side at DFW? Well, that's a loaded question. It's a lot going on, my brother. As always, several topics of discussion. We've got literally about 700 new employees. When I say new, we have about 700 employees who have a year or less working on the ramp at DFW. This is their first DFW summer that they're experiencing. So we have some, some inexperience out there. We've added flights. We'll continue to add flights. We're not quite to where we were pre-pandemic levels, but we're very close from a mainline perspective. Pre-pandemic, we were a mainline, about 510 flights, a little bit less depending on the day. And I think now uh, we're a little bit over 500. The plan is before the end of the summer is to get over pre-pandemic levels for mainline. Obviously, we're still a little below with the Envoy, but I mean, the flights are there. American Airlines has decided to emphasize DFW and Charlotte, the two main hubs, to make their money. And so while we have additional headcount, we still need more. Again, just like the downline stations, the equipment tends to be an issue. We've had to uh, borrow equipment from other stations just to try to maintain our, our level of service. Again, uh, the challenges that we have with the allocators, obviously we uh, arbitrated the case, but we still believe wholeheartedly that our crew chiefs could do a much better job of assigning tasks and you know allocating flights and et cetera, et cetera, uh, than these members of management. So those are some of the challenges. The heat, it gets hot every summer. But again, like I said, we have about 700 folks who've never experienced a Dallas summer. And so we just want to remind our members to stay hydrated. It's so important, so very important to continue to take care of yourselves and take care of your brothers and sisters out there. 
by making sure that you're hydrated, that if you need to get some rest, to get the shade, go inside to do so. We will tell any member, you know, to take care of your body as best you can. We won't be intimidated. We won't let our members be intimidated by management or by anybody else. If you need to take that break, then take the break. We've had some folks talk about they were afraid to, uh, to miss a flight or miss, a, you know, miss an assignment simply because you know, they felt this pressure from management. The bottom line to it is if your health is at issue, uh, then you have to take the breaks. You have to make sure that you stay hydrated. And if there are any issues with management with that, then we have a, you know, we have a full staff of shop stewards out there who can assist our members. But uh, those are just some of, the, some of the things that are going on out there at DFW, some of the challenges. So I know you mentioned the allocator arbitration. Uh, we do have another arbitration coming up. I believe it's September the 20th. Yes, the attendance policy is being arbitrated by the association on September the 20th. A lot of talk about that. So I kind of want to give some context behind the arbitration and the policy. So as you know, in our contract, contract speaks on sick leave benefit. In our contract, we guarantee our pay when we call in sick, as long as you've acquired enough sick time. If you have a bona fide medical reason why you've called in sick, then we believe as a union that you shouldn't be penalized to use your benefit. The attendance policy, as it's been written, uh, we believe violates uh, our contractual rights. And so uh, the association has taken, taken up the task of filing a grievance and going to arbitration to get some clarity uh, from a neutral party on whether or not management has the right to assess points to us when we uh, have a bona fide medical excuse. Yeah, considering we have nearly 50 members on level three, it's obvious the attendance policy is too restrictive. I think management has been too aggressive in how they assess the policy. I think they have not regarded the articles of the, of the contract, which talk about the, big, the sick leave benefit and bona fide medical excuse. If you look through the policy, it also emphasizes certain times of the year where they identify absence patterns and critical operation periods, where they assess more points during certain times, such as the Super Bowl week, or the week is coming up, actually, 4th of July week, July the 1st through July the 7th. So instead of the one point that would be assessed if you, uh, you called in sick or had an occurrence, they're assessing two points. And then they're saying, unless you have an acceptable document, uh, then the point would go down to just one point. We believe that the way that they are utilizing the policy, it's creating uh, an excessive burden to our members, that it's not being applied uh, equally. And again, we think that it is in conflict uh, with our contract. Okay, Greg, before we talk too long, is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Well, you know, I, I typically like to do housekeeping, especially at our membership meetings. And, and this is kind of a standing housekeeping. We just have to be very cognizant of how we treat one another. You know, in 100-degree weather, constant flights and everything else, lack of equipment, all the challenges that are presented at our workplace. What I want to remind our members is to not let those things affect how you treat one another. You know, we, we're all hot. We all need a break. We recognize, you know, all of those, those issues. But I just want to make sure that we are very cognizant of the fact that, you know, we're all human beings, that we all, you know, should conduct ourselves a certain way. And more importantly, we should treat each other with respect simply because, if no other reason, we're union sisters and brothers. I want to implore our more senior members 
to take the time to help these new members. Like I've said, we have like 700 new members out on the ramp and they need our help. They need our assistance. And more, more importantly, they need our patience. And then to our new members, we need you guys to be receptive to the help. You get out of training and, you know, you have a certain amount of confidence about doing the work and being responsible and everything. But a person that has been out there for 30 years can teach you something. And you just have to be willing to accept someone, you know, showing you something and teaching you something. So, again, it just kind of goes back. And it's my common refrain that we all should just be be more kind to one another and be more respectful to one another, regardless of the temperatures and regardless of the circumstances of the operation and everything else. You know, I, I get on that soapbox all of the time. But in reality, I think it's very important. You know, I've always said that things have happened. Our environment, our society has changed after the pandemic. You know, I just think that we have to be more mindful of that. Very well said, Greg. You got anything else? Yeah. So we have our our membership meetings this week on Wednesday and Thursday. As you all know, we do have elections coming up uh, for officers and executive board. So we we will be taking nominations for the election committee, as, as the bylaws indicate. Okay, that wraps it up for today. I want to thank everybody for listening. And as Greg said, uh, take care of each other and stay safe. Have a great day. For questions and comments about today's podcast, please email podcast at twulocal513.org. For more information about TWU Local 513, please visit www.twulocal513.org. Music licensed by Pond 5. Today's podcast was produced, engineered, and edited by Tommy Engel.